You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. Okay, so I've been asked today to just share something with you about hearing from God, uh, something about my own journey, and I've taken the title of the message, uh, Speak for Your Servant Hears. The first supernatural experience that Jackie and I had was on the 17th of August, 1969. We had, I'd worked with a chap in uh, Wakery. And he was a Christian, probably the first dinky-die Christian I'd ever met. And over a period of three months, he'd shared the gospel with me. And I never forget the first day I met him. We were sitting under under a tree having lunch out in the bush. And I'd heard that he was a Christian, and I thought I'd have a go at him. And I said, I hear you're a Christian, mate. And he said, yep. And uh, I said, well, I'm not a Christian, but I try and live like one. And he was very rude and he said, well, that's not good enough. And I thought, what do you mean? He said, well, why are you trying when you can be one? And he he kind of had me. And for three months, he just shared and I couldn't wait to get to work every day to hear the wonderful words coming out of his mouth. And he answered so many questions and and, um, eventually uh, he was from New Zealand. Big shout out to the Kiwis. (laughs) And... uh, he was uh, biding his time, helping get a CRC church going up in Berry in the Riverland, and we lived at Wakery, and then he was going off to the mission field in Papua New Guinea. So anyway, the three months came to an end, he went off to the mission field, got married, went up there to New Guinea, and I remember saying to him, well mate, I appreciate everything you've told me, uh, so grateful, I'm sorry you didn't make a Christian out of me, but I'm, you've, you've helped me a lot, I, at least I know what's involved because the problem that I had was that the way he presented the gospel to me I knew deep down in my soul that if I ever accepted Christ as my saviour that was the end of Kevin's life that was the end of his brilliant plans and his grand adventure that he would got all mapped out and he would be my lord I didn't understand that term but I knew that he would be in charge and I was very stubborn and I didn't, didn't want to do that. About 18 months went by and uh, things weren't going too well. We had a little, little baby boy. He's sitting up there with Jackie this morning, not little baby anymore. And uh, he was quite ill and we were struggling as newly marrieds, trying to figure out what being married was all about. And I don't know, I just reached a point where I thought, I really need Jesus. I can't, I can't live anymore. I can't fix these problems so I never forget the night I said to Jackie I I think we should go to church I think we should think about becoming Christians and she what What, what's it anyway being the dutiful wife that she is the next Sunday we trotted off to the CRC church in Berry. now they had a we went up the day before to find out what time the service was no telephones and the sign said that the service was 3 p.m. on Sunday. So off we went, packed up our little boy in a the carry basket, and off we went. 
what we didn't know was the service had actually started at 2.30 because they changed the time. They just forgot to change the sign. So we got there and it's all happening. There's about 12 people there. Very strange. None of the ladies had hats on and the odd time that Jackie and I went to church for a funeral or a wedding or something, ladies wore hats. They didn't have hats. The little kid in front of us was, had a big row of peanuts on the chair and he was playing with peanuts. And the pastor's up there preaching all suits and ties in those days and his suit was so old it was shiny. You know how you lose the, they call it, they call it the nap off your suit. And I thought, he's pretty fair dinkum, this bloke. And he uh, preached the message, where there's no vision that pe- people perish. Had no idea what he was talking about. But we weren't there very long when Jackie and I just looked at each other and we said, we don't belong here. We could just sense that this little group of people, about a dozen or so, that they had God and we didn't. Well, then they had communion. Now, that was really scary. We had absolutely no idea. We'd never seen it. Uh, We'd both been to Sunday school, different uh, churches, but didn't happen in our churches. Uh, We kind of knew it was some mysterious thing that Catholic people did, but we had no idea. And... Just like the ushers came around today, they bring, bring around these little cups with something in them and a tray of bread, and we felt really out. We were, these, these people were so holy, they had God, you could feel it in the room. And Jackie and I looked at each other, what are we going to do? What if they make us do this thing? You know, it's, we're, not, we're not worthy, we can't do this. And so when the man came around with the tray, I just looked at him with a frightened look on my face and shook my head, and to my immense relief, he took it, took it away. So they didn't force us to indulge in what we later found out was called communion. So they have the, have the communion part of their service, and then a man down the end of... The, these are old wooden pews, and there was a man down the end who later became a very close friend, and he gave a message in tongues. Now, the chap that had witnessed to me, Ian, Ian Chamberlain's his name, uh, Ian had told us a little bit about the baptism of the Spirit, but in one ear out the other, didn't, didn't make any sense. But when, when that man started speaking in tongues, I later found a verse in the Bible that says, tongues are a sign for unbelievers. And we just knew that that was God. And somebody gave an interpretation can't remember what it was but just this sense that all of these people were in they were with God and we weren't and that message in tongues just confirmed to me that God was there in in that building it was pretty scary well they jumped on us not literally but surrounded us and we were sitting there like a bump on a log strangers and our friend Ian had told them about us and so they kind of knew who we were and they then explained to us that we'd come to the wrong service, that that service was for believers, you know, the ones on the inside, but they have another service at night time, which is for people like us, unbelievers, just using those sort of terms. So we apologised for going to the illegal meeting <laughs> and, and, and a family took us home uh, for dinner, which was pretty nice. And they were grape growers and, and he was telling us over dinner how the Lord would direct him on what varieties of grapes to plant. And everyone that he planted prospered and 
was, you know, the variety that was in demand when it came harvest and so on. And we were really impressed. Wow, that you could actually have God in your life and he could talk to you, that he would speak to you. And my friend Ian had explained to me that being a Christian was not about doing good works or any of the things that that, um, Glenn talked about at communion. It was about receiving Christ as your saviour and that he would come in and he would live inside of you and you'd be changed from the inside out. It was a fantastic message. So they wanted us to go back to church that night, but we'd, we'd kind of had enough and uh, we said, no, look, we'll, we'll come back to the correct meeting next week. We won't come to the, the wrong one. And so the next Sunday, 24th of August, 1969, off, put little Brad in his basket once again and drove all the way up to Bury. And there that night... Jackie and I went forward and gave our hearts to Jesus. And I was so disappointed. I I didn't have, I've got no fantastic testimony because I'm expecting that when Jesus comes to live in my heart, um, and I'm a bit of a sci-fi buff and I I know about symbiotic relationships, you know, the the monster from outer space, uh, I watched Venom last night. Anyone seen that? It's quite a quite a good, quite a good Christian movie. Well, it must be Christian. It was made in America. Um, uh, so I understood about symbiotic relationships, and and so I thought this is what a Christian would be: that Jesus would be there in my heart, and him and I would just carry on a conversation. I'd ask him a question. He'd give me the answer. He might tell me something, and I'd do it. Um, and none, nothing like that happened at all. Just nothing. I, I didn't even think... Of, uh, now, some other remarkable things happened. That night I got set free in a second of time from a horrible addiction to smoking. I used to smoke 120 bucks of cigarettes a day, non-stop. It was so bad I could roll a smoke in the dark driving my car. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a terrible addiction. I've got a great sympathy for people that are addicted and that moment, that night, I haven't had a smoke since, no, no withdrawal, symptoms, nothing, just left. So that happened. But where's Jesus? He's not there. I thought, he's, you know, my expectations were I would have this wonderful person living inside of me and he would speak to me and, and we, could, we could talk to each other. But for some reason, that didn't happen. So that that sent me on a a journey that I guess in some respects I'm still on. By the way, we had no intention of ever going back to church again. All we wanted was Jesus in our lives, had no idea what the church was about. We just knew that if you wanted God, he lived in that building in Bury. It might might have been in other places, but we knew he was there because my friend had told me that's where he went to the church and so that's where we went. But this desperate need of wanting to hear God's voice uh, kind of made us so hungry we just couldn't stop going back so we've been going back and going back for 52 years we still still want to be there uh, so it kind of set me on this journey to uh, to really um, really seek out uh, from the Lord so here we go there's the young couple 27, Jackie's 26, this is five years later. And we had two kids by this time, little Brad. How do you, how do you like the matching T-shirts? Pretty cool, eh? 
And uh, there we were. So in March 1974, uh, we planted a church in Loxton. Now, we used to call it pioneering in those days. They call it church planting. So that's okay. We'd upgrade the the language. And during that time, uh, we used to have a visiting pastor who took a shine to us uh, from Christie's Beach. And And he used to come up on long weekends and he'd preach for us. So he's up preaching in our little church. We had about we had a big revival. We started with fourteen people, and after three months, we were we were up to twelve. And uh, and Jesus is still not saying too much. I'm starting to learn a little bit. Anyway, Pastor Bruce gets up and <laughs> did a great sermon. And then at the end of the service, he started to speak some words of knowledge. So he says, "There's uh, there's a man in the meeting tonight." And you have got a real problem with your back and you've been walking with a limp for many years. If you come forward, I'm going to pray for you and Jesus will heal you. Nobody responded. Then he went on and he said, in fact, the Lord's telling me this happened many years ago when you were a young man and you actually fell off the back of a piece of farm machinery and that's what caused the injury and you've been walking with a limp ever since. Would you please come? I want to pray for you. Nobody responded. At the end of the service, we discovered that one of our members had brought uh, an old gentleman, an old family friend, to his first Pentecostal service. And it was him, because he said to them, what was that minister talking about? He said, I, I, that happened to me. He said, I fell off the back of a header when I was, when I was a young lad in my teens and injured my back and... So, you know, this word was absolutely spot on. And I went up to the pastor afterwards and I said, Bruce, how did you do that? How did you, how did you hear uh, from God? Uh, even though the chap didn't respond, it, he was there. It was absolutely accurate and so much detail and so much information. And um, I have to tell you, he really wasn't that much help to me. He said, well, the Lord just told me and... I'm going, yeah, but how did he just told you? you know, how, how, did, how does that work? So that kind of made me uh, really desired to be able to do the same thing. For God's glory, of course, nothing to do with my uh, ego or anything like that. And so it just kept me going. The next part of the journey is the first Christian book I ever read was this one, The Cross and the Switchblade. How many... People have read that. It's good. I made a movie out of it. The movie's a bit flaky, but the book's good. And David Wilkinson, a remarkable person. He, he got killed in a car accident a few years ago in his 80s. Remarkable person and started Teen Challenge, which, as you know, Pastor Joe used to work for them in Canada. And in this book, David Wilkinson talked about putting out fleeces. And he took this from the Old Testament, the story of Gideon. And how Gideon was called by God, but he, he put out fleeces to, uh, to just confirm that word. So here's the scripture in Judges chapter 6. And Gideon said to God, If you'll save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I'm laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece alone, it's dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand. And it was so. And when he rose early next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl of water. Then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. 
Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. So David Wilkinson in his book talked about how God was calling him to go to New York to preach to these gang leaders, and so he would put out a fleece. And it wasn't a literal fleece, but it would be, I don't remember now, I can't remember what they were, but uh, he would say, Lord, just show me that this is your will by doing, doing this. And if you do that, you know, four birds fly over the tree in the, between six o'clock in the morning and seven o'clock, then I'll take that as a sign. And so as a young Christian starting out, I got God really busy putting out fleeces. And because I thought this was a very exciting way to hear from the voice of God. The only problem is a lot of them didn't actually work out the way I wanted them to. Um, so then, then I began to doubt in that, uh, in that system. The next thing I found in the Old Testament was the Urim and the Thummim. How many of you heard of that? A few people, a few Bible scholars here. Now nobody actually knows what the Urim and the Thummim were, but they were uh, they think they were two stones, possibly a black one and a white one, but they would be put into the breastplate of the priest and these were used for divination. They, maybe they tossed them in the air or how they fell down. Nobody really knows what they were or how they used them, but these stones were signs or omens to determine God's, uh, God's will and purpose. In the New Testament, we have something similar in the book of, in the book of Acts. And uh, it's nice having it up there. You can read it from there. Okay. So, and they put, um, so what happened was here in the book of Acts, if you know the story, they said, look, Judas is, is dead and we've got to replace him. So they, they, the, the apostles set about replacing uh, Judas. And this is how they did it. They put forward two, Joseph called Basabas who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in the ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So that's how, how they did it. Now the interesting thing is, Two things. One, we never hear from about Matthias ever again, but he was certainly in the 12. And this is the last recorded time in the New Testament where people cast lots. It was like the end of an era. And then later, David Wilkinson wrote another book, wrote several books actually, and, and he said, putting out fleeces is a very immature way of finding the will of God. So he himself had grown in his understanding of how to hear from God. And when I read that, I was devastated. Because how many of you get up in the morning and ask God to make you immature? No, no, no. I want to be a mature person. I want to grow up. I want to have it it all together. I don't want to be a child. So when he... When I read this, that he himself had come to that point where he stopped putting out fleeces because it was childish and, and very unreliable and not the way to do it. So that just pushed me further into, well, how do we 
hear from God. And then I read about the, them casting lots and it, uh, that they didn't do it anymore. And then I thought, yes, it's how they get led. They get led by the Spirit. Now, John chapter 10, verse 3 and 4 says, To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So my friends, knowing God's voice is so, so important for all of us. Yes, we have the scripture and that is, our, that is there for us to live by and, and obey. But we need to subject it. We need to actually hear the beautiful voice of God. Now, many Christians, um, myself included in this journey, have a mix of Old Testament ideas, putting out fleeces, looking for signs, looking for omens, um, uh, casting lots, and then that classic statement, oh well, it must have meant to be. Now, now that is not Christianity, that is fatalism. Fatalism means you're per- perfectly at the, at the mercy of um, what happens. You're not making anything happen, it's, it's happening to you. In Acts chapter, uh, sorry, I, I forgot to just make a comment on uh, John 10. And that is that sheep know his voice. And I want to just suggest to you that if you can't hear his voice, keep seeking, keep praying, keep moving, because the day will come and you will hear his voice. Now in Acts 13 chapter 2, not casting lots. This is what they did. While they, were worship, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. How did the Holy Spirit say that? So here they were, they're all there worshiping, they're fasting, they're working together in this church. And the Holy Spirit said, set these men apart for this work. How did he say that? Well, they all heard it. So I would suggest to you that it was either a message in tongues and an interpretation or it was a gift of prophecy. And so these are the things that we lean towards now is to hear from God what he's saying to us in that uh, circumstance and doing it and doing it quite supernaturally. A couple of things I've learned. I want to take you back to... Um, uh, to the story of Samuel. You know the story of Samuel? You know, he was, he was uh, a miracle baby. Uh, mother couldn't get pregnant. He, she does. It gives the little Samuel to be a priest. And one night, the Lord calls to him, Samuel. And Sam thought it was his boss, thought it was Eli. So he gets up out of bed, goes into Eli's bedroom, and he said, yes, you called? He said, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And again, Samuel goes into Eli. You called again? No, not me. Get back to bed. Third time. And then Samuel, the great prophet, wakes up and says, uh, next time, say, Lord, um, speak for your servant hears. And Samuel goes back in, and the next time Samuel then the Lord begins to speak to Samuel. 
And Samuel grew in that. You remember when he selected Saul to be the king of, uh, of Israel, the, the, the Holy Spirit was directed, uh, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him. Got any more? Oh, yeah, we've got one bloke out there looking after a few sheep. Bring him in. And the Lord said, that's him. So a couple of things I learned from the story of Samuel. Number one, God's voice is very natural. It sounds like somebody else. Sam thought it was Eli. It wasn't in the old Charlton Heston voice from the Ten Commandments. It was just a natural, easy to entreat, very soft, uh, Samuel, Samuel. So one thing I've learned is that God's voice is very quiet, very natural. The second thing I've learned is that it's okay to make mistakes. And I've made a lot of mistakes over the years. I remember that story of the farmer that had the crook back. And, and so I determined that I would pursue the, the gift of knowledge. And so I would wait on the Lord and I'd ask the Lord to give me a word of knowledge for people. And I'd get up in great faith and announce these words. And nothing happened. It was just like the words that dribbled off my chin and fell on the floor. Never worked. So I did it again. Nothing. And again, nothing. And yet again, nothing. And they were disappointed and I was disappointed. <laughs> and so I thought, well, that's it. I'm, I'm going to give up. There's no, uh, this is obviously not for me. And, uh, and then I got transferred over to our church in Port Lincoln and and uh, I didn't even try there because I'd given up. I thought it was just no point. It's only for holy people, Kevin. You're obviously not very holy. And, uh, uh, you know, what are you even doing being a pastor? Maybe you shouldn't be one. So I decided um, that I, I can't remember which month it was, but it was a month with 31 days. And somebody told me that you can read the book of Proverbs in 31 days. You just read chapter one on day one, chapter two, day two, three, go through. So I'm up to chapter two and the Lord just absolutely clearly spoke to me and, and, uh, and, and I don't know if you, this happens to you, the words just lifted off the page and subjectively it said, today the word of knowledge will enter into you, today the word of wisdom will enter into you. And I thought, oh, oh. So um, I, I just took that into my heart. And that Friday night, we were running a little house meeting up in a little town up on the coast from Port Lincoln called Elliston. Anybody ever been there? Just a little place and uh, great fishing. And we had a, a, a friendship there with the local principal of the local school and he'd found us and we found him so he opened up his home we'd go up and have a house meeting I'd take a few uh, people with me probably 12 13 people in the in the lounge room I guess and as I was praying about that meeting the Lord just dropped three um, illnesses or healing needs into my mind and so I thought well the Lord told me he'd do that so I'm going to do it at the meeting so we have the meeting, we get through the Bible study and we're having some prayer and I said now every head bowed, every eye closed, that's a good one to do when you're frightened 
And, uh, and then I said, look, I feel the Lord's told me that somebody here has got this, someone else has got that, and someone else has got this. And to my enormous relief, three people put their hands up. Oh. And I prayed for those three people, and they all got healed. And a few years ago, um, and one of them was the headmaster's wife, and uh, I don't know, maybe. 10 years ago now, uh, we kind of lost track over the years, but they reconnected with me. They had a, um, a deceased family member. They needed a house sold, and I'm a real estate agent. They found me, asked me to sell the house, so we reconnected. And, and his wife said, do you remember that night up at our house in Elliston when you spoke out a word and you prayed for me? I said, yeah, I do. She said, well, I got healed that night, and that illness has never come back. And that would be over 30 years. And I said, whew, I said, let me tell you my side of that story, how how nervous I was, how scared I was. Uh, And ever since then, uh, it just seemed the Lord had reached a moment in my life, perhaps I'd come to a point of a little bit more maturity where he could trust me. And so I've found ever since it's pretty easy for me to to hear those kind of words and to give them to people. And, I, and I've never got it wrong since. Or maybe the Lord's never got it wrong. Maybe it's better to say that. Uh, people, and sometimes people don't respond if it's a public meeting. Sometimes they'll come up afterwards and say, look, you know, that was me. Um, I just didn't feel comfortable coming out to the front. Can you still pray for me? Absolutely. I, I'm, I don't believe that, you know, if you don't respond, you're not going to get the gift from God. It's a free gift from God. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. He just gives it. So um, the next thing I learned was um, this uh, verse from Hebrews chapter 5. It says, solid food is for the mature. There's that nasty word mature again. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So I want to suggest to you that it is okay to practice hearing from God, getting words from God. So, okay, sometimes you get it wrong. Uh, mostly you'll get it right. So don't, be, don't wait for loud voices. It's going to be quiet. And have a go and have a practice. And as you keep doing that, you'll find that it will grow just like it grew in, in Samuel. Uh, another scripture from Romans chapter 8, for those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit, for to set the mind on flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Um, and then it says, you however are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, that's the only condition. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So no more fleeces, no more omens, no more signs, no more casting lots. Now we live by the Spirit. Now we do turn inward to ourselves to hear what the Lord has to say for us. And just one last scripture, which I don't have on a slide for you. From 1 Corinthians 14.3, this, because every word that comes to you has to be filtered through the word of God. Does it conform? Because God will never say anything in your spirit that contradicts the word of God. The word of God is our safety. And 1 Corinthians 14.3 um, 
gives instruction about prophecy, which is speaking on behalf of God. And it says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for three things, upbuilding, encouragement, and comfort. And we need, that's the filter. Whatever word comes to me uh, for somebody, I say to myself, is this going to build them up? Is this going to encourage them? Is this, or is this going to give them some comfort? If it meets that criteria, then I will give it. If it doesn't, God's word is never harsh, it's never cruel, it's never embarrassing. It's always comforting, encouraging, and upbuilding or edifying is the old King James word. So I just want to encourage you today to press on. Now, my story is my story. You will have your story. And one of the problems with this teaching is that it's very subjective. I find that God accommodates himself um, to us and our understanding. I know some ministers who uh, operate in a word of knowledge for gifts of healing, for example, they literally physically feel the pain or the sensation in a particular part of the body. They feel it physically. So they feel it, they speak it out. Um, Oral Roberts, who you may know of, a great uh, healing evangelist back in the 40s and 50s, and uh, God raised him up off a deathbed. He had tuberculosis, quite miraculous, and uh, told him to go out and heal his his generation. Incredible story. And uh, in his journey, he prayed and prayed and prayed until God gave him a physical sensation in his hand. And unless he felt that, he called it the anointing, whatever that means, that's what he called it, um, he wouldn't pray for people. But when he felt that, he knew that he could lay hands on them and they would get healed. So that never happened to me. I don't feel things physically. To me, it's always quiet and in the spirit. So what I want to do today, just to to close, is just invite you to um, have a little practice here in the in the congregation. Now, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I want you just to have a little bit of a look around the room and just see if the Lord is pointing anybody out to you. Um, so I, I did this myself in, in the worship time. And this, uh, Are you Caleb? I've got the name right. So the Lord just said, give him a word. So I've got a word for you, mate, so which I'll do in a minute. Um, but just have a bit of a look around the room. Is there anybody that kind of pops up to you that you feel they need something from God might be the person next to you might be your spouse be careful with spouses they're very discerning (laughs) okay so I'm just going to um, to lead you in in prayer Um, and I'd just like you to wait on the Lord to get a word for somebody else here today, or they may not be here, that's fine. And then when we've closed the service um, in the coffee time, just go to see that person and say, I just really feel the Lord wanted me to share this, this idea with you, this thought with you, and see how that goes. And next Sunday, could both of you come and find me? Because I'd really like to hear, hear the stories. So, Caleb, this is what I feel the Lord is saying to you, that you have sensed a calling to ministry on your life. 
And the Lord wants to affirm that and confirm that with you. That you need to know that despite your misgivings and shortcomings, of which you're probably conscious of many, like all of us, the Lord has chosen you. He has He has caused you to come into this world. He has given you the family life that you have. He's given you your parents, your siblings, uh, your education, your work, your interests, your hobbies, everything that wraps up to make you, you. And all of that has been the Lord working in the background. And the Lord wants you to pursue him and to pursue that calling and that gifting. Now, there are going to be times when the Lord will restrict you from doing some things that other people can do. There will be times when you'll be confronted with a great cost that to take that step is going to be costly. All of that is a part of how God makes the man or woman of God. So when those challenges come, embrace them and with his strength and his help and your faith, work your way through them And he's going to bring you into more and more of a place of fruitfulness and of ministry. So does that mean something to you? Okay, good. That encourage you, comfort you, strengthen you? Good. It fits the criteria. Okay, so be blessed with that. Okay, can we just bow our heads in prayer? And um, so Lord, we just thank you that you are our great shepherd and we your sheep hear your voice. So Lord, I just pray now that as we just waiting in your presence, that you will speak a word into our hearts for somebody that's on our hearts, maybe here, maybe not here today. And you will give us the courage to speak that word out so that we can comfort them, encourage them, strengthen them. So just think about that person, get a picture of them in your mind. Just hold them before the Lord and just ask the Lord, what, 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 what do they need? What, what, what word can you uh, give me to give to them? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.